0: okay cool we
1: are going,
0: going welcome going. everyone hello
1: to known unknowns hello this is carly hello harry. And this is harry <laughs> um how was your week harry
0: how was my week yeah uh it was a good week it was a uh, yeah it was mm-hmm. a pretty pretty good week it's good can't think of anything significant that has happened this week.
1: All right. Is there anything we want to talk about up at the top here?
0: Okay. There's something I was thinking about earlier that I thought we should talk about the podcast. And now you can't podcast. remember? And yeah. Now I can't remember. I don't know why I didn't. I meant to like look up an article about it or something and save it or start writing about something. I don't know. The big thing today that people have been talking about online, or maybe it was more yesterday, is uh, people talking about uh, Doctor Jill Biden and uh, whether it's misleading for her to always go insist on being called Doctor all the time, or that she is called Doctor all the time because she's like a doesn't she have a she has a doctorate a PhD and like yeah a, a
1: lot of people want to be education. called Doctor if yeah and have a
0: doctorate
1: <laughs> most people like to be called Doctor mm-hmm. uh okay. Yeah. Do you do you think it's dumb that she does that?
0: No, I think that they. It seemed. I remember during the (laughs) primary when they were talking about like healthcare and stuff. It seemed like they like leaned into the doctor thing a little bit harder, um, calling her Doctor Joe Biden um, when they're talking about like healthcare. (laughs) It's not her fault. Stuff. Yeah, I know it's not her fault.
1: She wants to be called doctor because she can be.
0: (laughs) Right. I guess I don't know if the controversy is necessarily about her calling herself doctor or like her being I don't know, I, I don't really know what the controversy is all about.
1: It sounds dumb to It me is to dumb be honest yeah it's you.
0: you know it's a typical like uh, thing people are talking about on Twitter, so it's it's pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I really cannot for the life of me remember the other thing that I wanted to mention, to make mention of. So it must not have been that important.
1: That's true. That's not been Um, Anything else? I don't, I mean, did anything really happen this week?
0: Well, something did that I wanted to talk about, but uh, <laughs> since I can't remember really what that is. You really don't
1: remember at all what you wanted to talk about?
0: Yeah, I don't think it was anything major.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Uh, how was your week, Carly? It was fine okay cool glad
1: i just worked there's nothing to talk about you know yeah i I know there was something interesting in the news
0: yeah there probably was
1: that i that we could talk about
0: well uh we should uh did we should read the news more often
1: i read the news all the time okay i listen to the news all the time
0: we should retain more of it
1: well nothing interesting is happening it's all just pandemic this pandemic that
0: there's a there's a the vaccines rolling out. The first yeah. trucks left the Pfizer facility today. Oh yeah, loaded up with uh, a real, real cold vaccine.
1: The door is open.
0: Do you want me to shut our it? Our
1: bedroom door is open. Okay, yeah, I'll shut, I'll shut it. it. So our roommates are gone currently. That's why I have no sense of when the door is open and closed, or even when I have the door open. In the bathroom. I have no sense of that. So that'll be fun when they come back. Adjust your chair. Adjust your chair. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Are you?
0: No, I've never been good.
1: Okay. <laughs> You're not... You gotta adjust your chair I, more.
0: I, I'm closer than I look like I am. I will...
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so... I don't know. I feel like this is a boring start. No, yeah, nothing happened other than, you know, vaccine stuff. And stuff
0: yeah, everyone's like turning off the podcast right now. So now we can talk about the real shit that we came here for.
1: Yeah, what is that?
0: Uh, To talk about uh, your your the thing that you researched.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true.
0: Like the, the, the point of the show, the whole the thing that...
1: I stopped painting my nails just to talk to you guys. And I just pointed at the mic, too. The little, me?
0: all you little people who live in the microphone.
1: Yeah, I stopped That's painting my podcast nails for works, you, right? Yeah.
0: All the we're just doing this for the little little people who mm-hmm. live inside the microphone. Yeah, And they worship us as their king and queen. Their Aww. God, God, king and queen. I love God, that. Queen.
1: The little bugs inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, there are bugs in this.
1: Yeah, probably. Hi,
0: hey, bugs.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, we're five minutes in. There's nothing really to talk about. So, do you want to get into it?
0: Yeah. That's what they come for, anyway. If we think so. of something later, we can, we can, we don't have to talk about us everything at the top. We I can, have
1: kind of a long story to this week, anyway. So, we might as well just get into it. Let's go. Okay. So, I got my sources off of Wikipedia.
0: Nice. The best one.
1: Heavy.com. I don't know what that means. That's and that's where they
0: write about, uh, Yo mama.
1: And usatoday.com. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. What? Because <laughs> I said dot com after that?
0: Nope.
1: So, you know, Harry. You, you know, do me? You know who my <laughs> Do you know who my favorite band of all time is? I mean, we know who my favorite singer is. That's Elton John. We all know that Elton John is my life, my love, my blood. Everything. Your blood? Yeah, he runs through me. My heart Ew. pumps for him. Anyway, okay. but who's my favorite band? You should know this. If you don't get this wrong, I'm gonna be really mad. I
0: know this because you told me the other day what I was when doing. You told me about this story. Well, Your would favorite you have gotten
1: band? this? Would you have gotten this?
0: I would not. I would have. It would have been one of my guesses. All right. What Your favorite it? band is In Sync. Yes. Yeah i might have guessed like backstreet boys first
1: no i don't i mean i like like, a couple of the backstreet boys songs but i'm more of an nsync gal i like only a couple backstreet boys are i mean i like their songs i just only a couple of their songs really do it for me nsync every single one is a jam it's a bop (laughs)
0: okay Hey. What? All right. I'm really passionate
1: about this. Okay. Okay. But I I, I just found out today that the Backstreet Boys did better than NSYNC. They were more popular than NSYNC. That's what I
0: thought. Okay. What are okay? So Backstreet Boys is "I Want It That Way," right? I want
1: it that way. Tell me why, ain't nothing but a. I'm trying to think. Tell me why, ain't nothing but a mistake. Da, da, da. I don't wanna play I... No, I think that's in Because I want it that way. I think it's. I think that's in sync. I want
0: it that way is no. I want it that way is the Backstreet Boys. <gasps> you, your favorite band, Carly. <laughs> No. You don't even know. You can't even you can't even tell them apart. <laughs> what what are famous in sync? Wait, are songs? you serious
1: right now? Yeah. Bye bye bye. Bye
0: bye bye, bye, bye is in sync.
1: Bye, bye bye. Or um It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. I don't know that one. They also have um Pop uh Pop I'm sick and tired of people's huh. Uh, uh What's the deal with this pop life and when is it going to fade out? think they got to realize what we're doing is not a trend. Because we got the gift of melody, we're going to bring it till the end. Does it matter about the clothes I wear or the ice around my neck? All that matters is that you realize it's just about respect. Okay. That's what they say.
0: I don't know that one. I know, you don't know that song? <laughs> I know Bye 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 and It's Gonna Be Me. It's Gonna Be Me. It's
1: Gonna Be Me.
0: Just from All the memes.
1: That I got
0: uh, enough
1: for you.
0: Okay. So uh, so wanna... and the, the, the one that Justin Timberlake was in. Yeah. And uh mm-hmm. Lance Bass and Joey Fatone and J C Chase's.
1: Yeah, do you know any of these guys?
0: I, I know of Lance Bass and I've heard of I've heard the name Joey Fatone before. Yeah. I've It never sounded heard him
1: like f- you had no idea who J C was.
0: I don't know who J C is. Has he done anything interesting since NSync broke up?
1: I don't Think so. I don't really know. Do you know how InSync got its name?
0: Because they sing in sync.
1: No, it's the last letter of everyone's first name.
0: Okay. Do you see that? Do yeah, you see I it? see that. In. What sync. about Chris? The Kirk- oh, Chris. Rick Patrick, right? With well, that's an S. So
1: Justin, N. Chris, S. Who ends with a Y? Joey. Joey. Y.
0: Joseph. They could have been N. Shink. and Shink. <laughs> I'm shunk, chunk.
1: <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Sorry. And what
0: does JC stand for? Jay, yeah, that's not a. That's cheating. You can't have initials for your first name. That's the. <laughs> that's not the last letter of his first name. That's the first letter of his middle name.
1: No, it's not. I don't know, man. Don't question it. Okay, it's in sync. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. And what about Lance Bass? Anywho, the,
0: the, there's no E in in sync. In sync.
1: Wait a second. Wait. <laughs> wait wait (laughs) wait in sync sink. what wait a second wait (laughs) i'm (laughs) so confused
0: i have ruined carly's life okay wait um oh, oh. oh Please because explain.
1: Oh wait, no, he wasn't an original was an member. Ori- there
0: was a ori- there was originally a yes, Jason. There
1: was a yeah yeah okay okay oh he has the N in In Sync and he left.
0: Well, he's one of the ends. I think Justin was probably the first N. Okay, yeah, he was obviously a- the first N, Justin.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We're gonna get into this. Are you ready? So we're talking about.
0: We're talking about the Backstreet Boys.
1: <laughs> okay. We're talking about <laughs> 90s boy bands. I had like a
0: Backstreet Boys uh, action figure that I got from uh, Burger, Kring, Burger King. Bur- Burger uh, King. Burger King? Meal.
1: Burger um, King had Backstreet there's... Boys? Um... Yeah, they did. Okay, wait. See, this is why Boys we just needed to jump right into it because obviously figure. we learn a lot.
0: Yeah, I had, <gasps> the, uh, I had the Oh my red God, guy. I want
1: the little Funko Pops of Fun- the NSYNC. Oh!
0: <gasps> Yeah, I had the, uh...
1: Harry, Harry, will you get me the Funko Pops of NSYNC? I had this guy. Oh my god. I had the red guy. (gasps) No!
0: I think that was the (laughs) only one I ever got, yeah. pretty sure.
1: Oh, that's funny. Oh, I love that. Okay.
0: Is anyone from the Backstreet Boys famous now?
1: No. No. They, like, reunited not too long ago. Because I assume none of them are doing anything. Yeah, like they're old as heck.
0: None of them, yeah, none of yeah. them sound familiar to me. None of their names. Nick Carter. I think AJ the only McQueen. reason Insync
1: is just more popular now is because of Justin Timberlake. Yeah,
0: and Kevin that's Richardson, Brian Littrell. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anyway.
0: Okay. Sorry. It has
1: something to do with '90s boy bands, very much, very much Backstreet Boys and Insync heavy, but we are talking about the man, Lou Pearlman. Do you know Lou Perlman? Nope. Well, oh. he made Back Backstreet Boys. Okay. Is, is their dad? No, no, no. Ew, stop. Okay. So Lou Perlman was born and raised in Flushing, New York, the only child of Jewish parents, High Perlman, who ran a dry cleaning business, and Rennie Perlman, a school lunchroom aide. He was a first cousin of the musician Art Garfunkel. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. That's cool.
1: Perlman's home at Mitchell Gardens Apartments was located across from Flushing Airport, where he and childhood friend Alan Gross uh, would watch blimps take off and land.
0: <laughs> That's cool. This
1: has something. It, this ties back later. Why? Well, According to cool. his autobiography, Bands, Brands, and Billions... It was during this period that he used his position on his school newspaper to earn credentials and get his first ride in a blimp.
0: <laughs> Is that where it comes back later?
1: No, it's coming oh, back later even more. Blimps are like
0: a running theme.
1: Blimps. Well,
0: Around at the beginning, his,
1: his early life, yeah, blimps. He got to start in like blimps. You'll see. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay. I know, isn't that hilarious? You thought you didn't think that was gonna happen. He got his
0: start in blimps, huh?
1: Well, scamming. So I got this story, actually. I never knew this story, but as you know, I listen to Scam Goddess, the podcast now, by Uh Lacey Mosley, and it's amazing. And she actually told this story twice on her podcast, I think on accident, obviously on accident, because she wasn't supposed to repeat the story like, a couple of years later or something, I don't think. But she told it twice, and I'm like, you know what? I love this so much just because it involves... I never knew this story, and I love... And I don't think a lot of people do. Okay. So, I mean, maybe people do. Maybe, I don't know. Um, maybe there's some people out there who are like, oh, I know this story. I know who Lou Pearlman is, that mean man. Um... <laughs>
0: The blimp kid t- blimp. turns out to be the bad guy. Spoiler alert, folks. Yeah.
1: this is disputed by. Well, this is called the InSync scam. That's what I have in my notes. This is what this doc is called, the InSync scam. So,
0: All right, wait a, uh, wait a. Well, you know it was a more. scam.
1: It's scam goddess. You'll know in a yeah, second. This is disputed by Gross, who claims he was the school reporter and allowed Perlman to tag along. Oh. So. You may not have had the... Anyway, Garfunkel's fame and wealth helped inspire Perlman's own interest in the music business. Mm -hmm. As a teenager, he managed a band, but when success in music proved elusive, he turned his attention to...
0: Yeah, probably because their manager was a teenager.
1: Hey, get your arm off the table. It's shaking the mic.
0: Okay, sorry.
1: Um, yeah, well, he turned his attention to aviation... During his first year as a student at Queens College, Perlman wrote a business plan for a class project based on the idea of a helicopter taxi service in New York City. That's what by the late... now. Like,
0: huh? Uber does that now. They you do? You can do a... You can get an Uber helicopter, <gasps> yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: He was ahead of his time.
1: I know. Uh, by the late 1970s, he had launched the business based on his business plan, starting with one helicopter... He persuaded German businessman Theodore Wollenkemper to train him on blimps and subsequently spent some time at Wollenkemper's facilities in West Germany learning about the airships. That's cool. So returning to the US, because he was in West Germany, Perlman formed Airship Enterprises, which led which which leased a blimp to who's this? Jord. Jordash. Jordash before actually okay so he leased a blimp to jordash before actually owning said blimp (laughs) so he's like yeah i'll lease you my blimp ready for this yeah he used the funds that jordash gave him to build and construct a blimp nice which promptly crashed (laughs) (laughs) okay but why would you not just buy a blimp Oh, that was not enough Probably money. cheaper
0: to build one from scratch.
1: <laughs> the two parties sued each other, and oh. seven years later, Perlman was awarded $2.5 million hey. in damages. So this blimp that he built and crashed, maybe like, I... he got the money from this. Yeah,
0: maybe I should get in on the blimp scamming build business.
1: So yeah, he was a blimp scammer. On the advice of a friend... Perlman started a new company, Airship International, taking it public to raise the $3 million he needed to purchase a blimp. Falsely claiming that he had partnership with Woolen Kemper, he leased the blimp to McDonald's for advertising. <laughs> Perlman then relocated Airship International to Orlando, Florida, in July 1991, where he signed MetLife and SeaWorld as clients for his blimps. Oh, Airship International suffered when one of its clients left and three of the aircraft crashed.
0: (laughs) Man, this guy's having problems with blimp crashes. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's the big...
1: That's what happens when you build your own blimp and you're not an engineer. (laughs) I guess so. The company's stock, which had once been pumped up to $6 a share, Mm. dropped to a price of $0.03 a share, and the company was shut down. After he took the company public in 1985, Pearlman began became personally and professionally close to Jerome Rosen, Ro- Rosen. a partner uh, at Small Crap at Small Crap Trading Outfit Norbay Securities, a small cap. Oh, small cap! Oh my okay. God! A small cap trading outfit Norbay. Okay. Based in Bayside, Queens, and frequently in trouble with regulators, (laughs) Norbay actively traded airship stock. This sent airship (laughs) stock price consistently higher, enabling Pearlman to sell hundreds of thousands of shares and warrants at ever higher prices. However, Uh airship... Uh, was reporting little revenue, cash flow, or net income. In return for keeping his penny stock liquid, Perlman allegedly paid Rosen handsome commissions, according to a mutual friend, that reached into the tens of thousands of dollars per trade.
0: Now he's doing airship. Now he's doing blimp stock scamming.
1: Yeah. So Perlman became fascinated with the success of the band New Kids on the Block because they were like the first boy band to get popular, Um, who had made hundreds of millions of dollars in record, tour, and merchandise sales. He started, so Perlman started transcontinental records with the intent of mimicking their boy band business model. Uh The record label's first band, the Backstreet Boys,
0: consisted
1: of five unknown performers selected by Perlman in a $3 million talent search. So he really did search for the best men, best boys. (laughs) Management duties were assigned to a former New Kids on the Block manager, Johnny Wright, and his wife, Donna. The Backstreet Boys became the best-selling band of all time, boy band of all time, with record sales of $130 hitting gold, platinum, and diamond in 45 different countries. Perlman and the Wrights then reported his formula, Th- repeated this formula almost exactly with the band in sync which sold over 70 million records globally okay so half as well as backstreet boys which was a little more than half which i was surprised I don't know um with these two major successes under his belt mm-hmm. Perlman had become a music mogul is that the word yep. mogul other boy bands managed by pearlman were o-town created during the abc mtv reality te- television series making the band oh. lfo take five natural and us5 as well as the girl group innocence with britney spears in the very beginning as a short-term member ah. co-managed with lynn Harless, the mother of InSync band member justin timberlake Perlman also owned a large entertainment p- complex in Orlando, including a recording, recording, <laughs> including a recording studio he called Transcontinental Studios, and a dance studio near Disney World named O Town. In 2002, Perlman and Wes Smith co-wrote "Bands, Bands, Brands and Billions: My Top Ten Rules for Making Any Business Go Platinum."
0: Oh, the three Bs. Bands. That's all So
1: we know he created
0: The Backstreet Boys. The,
1: the, ba- the Backstreet Boys and InSync and, and NSYNC. some of the other bunch of other boy bands. But he mm-hmm. made the two most popular boy bands ever. So once they signed with Lou Pearlman, uh Lou enacted a boy band boot camp. So when Pearlman signed InSync, he got them a house told them they could quit their jobs and put them through a boot camp in air unair conditioned airplane hangars
0: <laughs> so just a big hot room huh
1: it was the same for the backstreet boys with the guys rehearsing 6 to 8 hours daily in the sweaty hangars it's it's pronounced hangers right yeah okay mclean says quote we were working our butts off day in and day out and man was it hot during those florida summers
0: i bet it was
1: uh chris kirk patrick i think he's a backstreet boy he is a backstreet says i'm surprised boy. none of us got heat stroke uh as repetitive and But
0: he he admits. Chris Kirkpatrick is an NSYNC. You don't even. You say this is your favorite band, and you don't know anything (laughs) about it. (laughs) Oh, wait.
1: Yeah, Chris. He's the S. An NSYNC.
0: He's an NSYNC.
1: Okay. Sorry. I don't know. I just know they're NSYNC and I know their songs. Okay. Okay? Anyway, uh, but he admits it worked. Uh, Quote, as repetitive and annoying as it got, it was fun. So Pearlman's home was a giant theme park. NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys claimed he kept a grossly disproportionate amount of money earned from their music. So where was all of that money going? McLean describes uh, how the producer's home was a magnet for fun, quote, like a giant theme park. Mm -hmm. Pearlman's house was like Disneyland, O Town's Ashley Parker Angel agrees. Quote, he had this boat with wave with wave runners, this cool this crazy pool, and this private movie theater, and he would have you over and have these boy band parties at his house. End quote. McLean recalls Nick Carter and I had a double birthday party at Lou's house. It was a pool party we invited all our friends. He was that inviting. He made himself more relatable to us by being this grown up kid. End quote.
0: That's the dream right there. Having having a birthday party with uh, the Backstreet Boys. But also
1: joint birthday parties you couldn't have had separate?
0: Maybe their birthday's on the same day. Well, I think they were like... Wait, Nick Carter and who? Uh,
1: I forget. Uh, McLean.
0: Okay. Uh, I think... Oh, no, never mind.
1: Were mm. they not in the same No, band? they were
0: both in Backstreet Boys. Two of the Backstreet Boys are cousins. I thought it was maybe them, but it's not.
1: It's oh. Just, Two of them are cousins?
0: Yeah. It's kind of weird. AJ McLean and... No, Brian Luttrell and Kevin Richardson are cousins.
1: It's kind of strange, but okay.
0: Boys from the same back street.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. But when they hit 10 million records, the numbers just didn't add up. Okay? Hmm. You know why? Because they were still rehearsing in sweaty, hot airplane hangar hangers and they weren't making any money
0: mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't add up to me I...
1: after two years of endless touring and their album and promoting their album so they sold like a ton of albums they were touring all over they were performing for packed stadiums mm-hmm. uh the members of Insync got their first checks at a after two years of work they got paid oh yeah First checks at a fancy dinner with Pearlman and their families at like a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And the amount they received was shocking. So think about two years, constant work. You sell millions of okay. albums. You you worked your butt off. You sell out arenas every time. And you are famous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much
1: do you think they should have gotten? Okay.
0: So when I did that, I okay. got... Um, how much do I think that, how much did I get? How much do I think sure, they should have got? Sure, how
1: much, both, yeah.
0: Okay, well, okay. So I got around, like, I, I don't want to be too specific, but it was in the, like, in the eight digits. Okay. And they, I think <laughs> okay. they probably would have got, you know, they. Not
1: based on Perlman, based on the actual work, if they had a real manager. Right. if they, they had they a real
0: manager selling, like, 10 million albums, going on tour and stuff. hmm like a, like, a, like a million dollars.
1: At least, right?
0: You, I would I would think.
1: Yeah. So... I didn't get that. Did I'm they? quoting Bass here, or Bass.
0: Lance Bass.
1: Lance Bass.
0: <laughs> Quote, <laughs> I don't think that's how he <laughs> pronounces it.
1: <laughs> Quote, I open up the envelope, I see the check, and oh my gosh, my heart sunk. I can't believe the number. I couldn't believe the number I was looking at. The check was $10,000. And not to sound ungrateful, but when you compare it to how many hours we had put into this group for years and didn't even touch minimum wage at all.
0: Yeah, no, not even like 1990-whatever minimum wage. Mm
1: -mm, mm, Not at all. McLean says the Backstreet Boys, uh, who were selling out stadiums and arenas at the time, noticed that they were being stiffed too, recalling, quote, some of the guys couldn't pay for their car payment or couldn't pay for their apartment, end quote. You are a faint, like, famous. You should be making millions. That is so sad. Mm -hmm. They put in so much work. Isn't that really sad? I did not know anything about this, that, like, the, yeah, their manager was like scamming them out of. So he was like, so obviously they were at dinner together. So they're like, dude, 10 that, like, what up with that? And then he said that he had to buy millions of their albums in order to make them the top of the charts. That people weren't actually listening to them. He, it was all him who made them famous. Who mm-hmm. like bought all their albums. That's where the money was going. Mm. Yeah, mm. not true. Um, So they found out Uh, their contracts were actually um, webs of robbery.
0: Makes sense. After
1: years of being treated royally, the pop stars learned they had been picking up the bills the entire time against their future profits. Base, Bass, whatever. <laughs> Was it Bass?
0: It's, I think it's Bass.
1: Bass says... Lou was making it seem like we were in so much debt that it would be a long time before we saw some real money. Um, then Chase says, brought InSync's contract to his lawyer uncle, who identified <laughs> webs of robbery, Kirkpatrick says. For example, Pearlman in the contract, identified himself as a band member, allowing him to reap a sixth of the band's profits as well. So not only was he, like, stealing all their money, but he was also, like, even in the contract, he was getting a sixth of the profits anyway, because he, he was technically <laughs> and, a band member. Man. Yeah. Um, though Justin Timberlake doesn't appear in the documentary The Boy Band Con, his mom, Lynn Harless, talks about the moment she realized her son was being robbed by Perlman. Quote, Every parent is protective, protective of their child. Like everybody else, I just wanted to kill him. Mm. <laughs> I think that's good. I was like, that's funny. Yeah. So in two 2000- thousand so this sucks. Like that Oof. sucks, right?
0: That yeah, does suck. What is was, was- So did she, like, stay in business with him on the, like, entertainment complex? I don't know. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) This is a long story. I didn't get into that.
0: Okay. (laughs) So
1: in 2006, investigators discovered Pearlman had perpetrated a long-running Ponzi scheme Mm. that defrauded investors out of more than $300 million. I think he runs technically the longest, like, the longest-running Ponzi scheme ever. Congrats. I think over 20 years, Ponzi scheme. And do you know what a Ponzi scheme is?
0: Yeah, but you can explain it if you want.
1: Do you not know what a Ponzi scheme is? No,
0: I do know what a Ponzi scheme is. Ponzi
1: scheme, if I'm... correct me if i'm wrong yeah a ponzi scheme is like you ask someone for money as Mm -hmm. an investment in this thing that doesn't usually exist Mm -hmm. um and then you get someone else to give you money like you keep asking people for money Mm -hmm. and so you have all this money from like five investors okay and then the first investor is like hey where's that all that uh profit you promised me so then he uses that money that he got from the five investors or like some of it to give him to pay him back but then he has to keep getting more and more investors so mm-hmm. then he can pay back the previous investors stuff like that because yeah. it's not a real business right. so he's not actually making any money the way he's making money is getting people to invest in his fake business mm-hmm. is that right that's right okay so the only way it lasts is if people keep you just gotta money. keep
0: yeah got to keep the snowball snowballing
1: mm-hmm. so for more than 20 years pearlman had enticed individuals and banks to invest in transcontinental airlines travel services <laughs> and transcontinental airlines inc both both of which existed only on paper they were not real
0: <laughs> it wasn't he he wasn't flying people around in blimps across no. the country
1: pearlman used falsified federal deposit insurance corporation Uh, A.I.G. and Lloyd's of London documents to win investors' confidence in his program titled Employee Investment Savings Account, and he used fake financial statements created by the fictitious accounting firm Cohen & Siegel to secure bank loans. Wow. This guy sucks. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) mad that this guy, like, was mean mean to NSYNC, you know?
0: Yeah shouldn't be mean to nsync
1: no what the scamming
0: hell investors and banks that's Fine. a victimless crime
1: yeah i agree with that actually
0: if, if, if you as long as it's rich people scamming other rich people it's all good
1: yeah but i'm not into scamming little boys
0: no you should not scam uh non, non-rich adults
1: no that's mean um so in february 2000 oh shoot i burped sorry <laughs> In February oh, 2007, Florida regulators announced that Perlman's transcontinental savings program was indeed a massive fraud. And the stock, in the state, oh my goodness, I can't talk tonight, sorry. And the state took possession of the company, it's not a real company, most of the at least $95 million, which was collected from investors, was gone. Orange County Circuit Judge Renee Roche ordered Perlman and two of his associates, Robert Fischetti and Michael Crudell, to bring back to the United States, quote, any assets taken abroad which were derived from illegal interactions, end quote. Following a flight from officials over the course of which he reportedly had been seen in Israel and Germany, Perlman was arrested in Indonesia on June 14th, 2007, after being spotted by a tourist couple from Germany.
0: (laughs) Hey, that's the guy we. That's the guy. That is the the guy from the Blimp Factory. From the
1: Blimp Factory. (laughs) He was living in a tourist hotel in Nusa Dua in Bali. Perlman had been seen in Orlando in late January 2007 and early February in Germany, including an appearance on Germany, German television on February 1st. In early February, an attorney in Florida received a letter from Perlman sent from Bali. Perlman was then indicted by a federal grand jury on June 27, 2007. Specifically, Perlman was charged with three counts of bank fraud, one count of mail fraud, and one count of wire fraud. Five days before his sentencing, Perlman requested a telephone and an internet connection two days a week to continue to promote his bands. <laughs>
0: he's,
1: he's still out there really, really is, doing his work, huh? Yeah,
0: he's a real, uh, I don't know, hustle maniac. Yeah.
1: U.S. District Judge J. G. Kendall Sharp rejected the request. On May 21, 2008, Sharp sentenced Perlman to 25 years in prison on charges of conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements during a bankrupt- bankruptcy proceeding. Perlman could reduce his prison time by one month for every million dollars he helped a bankruptcy trust recover. He also ordered individual investors to be paid before institutions in distributing, distributing any eventual assets.
0: hmm Okay.
1: Perlman and his companies were forced into involuntary bankruptcy in March 2007. Trustees and lenders auctioned off Perlman's assets and personal belongings through eBay and a traditional bankruptcy auction. A Church Street Station, a historic train station in downtown Orlando, which Pearlman Perl- had purchased in 2002, was sold at a bankruptcy auction in April 2007 for $34 million. Several of Pearlman's belongings, including his college degrees, were purchased by the AV Club journalist and film critic Nathan Rab- Rabin <laughs> during the Nathan eBay. Nathan
0: Rabin bought his college degrees.
1: <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's or the funny. eBay auction
0: that's that's
1: okay. so he only got charged with like the money laundering and stuff and like the ponzi scheme right but obviously there was nothing really illegal in what he was doing to the bands because it was all in their contract right so
0: Mm-hmm. so did anything happen with that yeah so okay
1: we're getting to that now
0: cool
1: with the exception of boy band us5 all of the musical acts that worked with Perlman sued him in federal court for misrepresentation and fraud.
0: What was going on with US 5? I
1: don't know. That's what I was wondering. All cases against Perlman either have been won by those who have, fought, who have brought lawsuits against him or have been settled out of court. The members of Backstreet Boys were the first to file a lawsuit against Perlman, feeling that their contract, uh, under which Perlman collected a both manager and producer, was unfair uh, because Perlman, who was also paid as a sixth member of the Backstreet Boys, uh-huh. um, the band's dissatisfaction began when member Brian Luttrell hired a lawyer to determine why the group had received only $300,000 collectively for all their work, while Perlman and his rec- record label had made millions.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Fellow boy band InSync was, th- was having similar issues with Perlman and its members soon followed suit at age 14 aaron carter filed a lawsuit in 2002 that accused pearlman and transcontinental of cheating him out of hundreds of thousands of dollars and of racketeering in a deliberate pattern of criminal activity i don't
0: remember aaron carter he was a he, was, he wasn't in a boy band was he i think he was just a guy yeah, nick carter know. was in the backstreet boys hmm. but i think aaron i remember seeing Maybe like, it's
1: like a family member i don't know
0: it might be it might be related
1: this suit was later settled out of court so, in 2009, interview with Howard Stern. So, this is, um, this is where it gets even worse.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. This
1: is, yeah. Um, an interview with Howard Stern, Rich Cronin, the former lead singer of the band LFO, said that he had only received a fraction of the money owed to him from record sales. Cronin claimed that Perlman had, quote, wanted to bang everyone. End quote. And had attempted to seduce him multiple times.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: These were like 13-year-old boys. That's so... Ugh. Cronin also alleged that those who did oblige Pearlman were looked after. Pearlman, um... Angel said Pearlman would offer unsolicited massages and inspect their abs. Quote, Lou would come into a rehearsal room and he'd be like, guys, let's see your abs. Take off your shirts. Angel recalls, quote, it feels like, oh, maybe this is part of having a mentor of a band who wants to make sure you're in good shape because that's what he would always say. You got to be able to sell those teen magazines. Take off your shirt. Let me see your abs. End quote. Bass says, Bass says he never witnessed Perlman praying on young boys. So this is where I'm kind of like, some of these boy band members, I'm like, okay, you guys kind of suck.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Bass says he never witnessed Perlman praying on young boys, but there were still weird moments. Quote, he'd give you a massage. He was real touchy feely. It always felt a little, okay, I know what you're doing. So he was preying on young boys. He said, he wasn't praying on young boys, but I knew what he was doing when he wanted to touch me. (laughs) What? A tearful Aaron Carter, who also worked with Perlman, uh, vociferously
0: Vociferously, defends
1: the music producer throughout the documentary. Quote, my opinion of Lou being a sexual predator is that it is not true. That is so foul um, says Carter, whose brother Nick is a member of the Backstreet Boys. Later, he adds tearfully, it hurts to see people continuously attack him. And also, a lot of other band members who didn't, uh, not a lot of other, a few other band members who uh, spoke out about it, and they're like, uh, it didn't happen to me, so it probably didn't happen. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one, because there's plenty of people who came out and said, Yeah that happened you know yeah so that really bothers me that they can't just all back each other up on this one but we'll get yeah okay so in 2008 perlman began his prison sentence with a projected projected release date of march 24th 2029 however he suffered a stroke in 2010 while incarcerated he was diagnosed with an infection of the interline of the heart valve perlman had surgery to replace a heart valve a few weeks before his death the prison took him to a hospital where he was scheduled for another surgery. Perelman ultimately died while still in custody at the Federal Correctional Institution in Miami, Florida, on August 19, 2016, from cardiac arrest. He was buried 10 days later on August 29, 2016, in the family burial area. He was 62 years old. So... Lou Pearlman's death in federal prison left lawsuits filed by NSYNC and other boy bands, um, he managed unresolved and left many of his victims with unpaid restitution. Members of Lou Pearlman's boy bands expressed conflicting emotions, uh, when he died. Um, so yeah, this is when you kind of like, of course they're going to defend the guy. Like he didn't, uh sexually abuse us mm-hmm. because it's stockholm syndrome is that how you say that stockholm syndrome yeah
0: and they're talking about it like right after he died a lot so
1: yeah and like obviously they're gonna li- like you love the <sighs> yeah so it's like very obviously traumatic and then you're like probably don't even know half of the trauma you went through you know mm-hmm. so uh members of wait okay 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 when he died lance bass and chris Kurt. Kirkpat- Kirk- Kirkpatrick, uh, former members of Insync, told ABC 2020 that they experienced a slew of conflicting emotions when Lou Pearlman died. Bass said on 2020, he credits Pearlman for his career despite the fraud that funded it. I mean, it's true, like, yeah, <sighs> it would be hard because it's like the guy gave me my career that yeah. I now make millions off of. I am famous because of this man, even though he was a piece of shit, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: quote he helped me start my career he funded it i don't know where i'd be without him so you have to give him that credit
0: that's you don't have to i know but like
1: obviously i mean a lot of them thought he was a great guy like and then they found out he was scamming them and then it was kind of a shock when they all found out he was running this ponzi scheme and then they found out he was like scamming them like it was all kind of a huge hit them Mm -hmm. all like all of a sudden because they were like this guy is great like he's like my
0: cool uncle you know (laughs) right
1: um many many of the band members sent out social media posts after learning of pearlman's death which reflected their conflicting emotions um bass wrote he might not have been a stand-up businessman but i wouldn't be doing what i love today without his influence and justin timberlake on twitter says i hope he found some peace God bless and RIP Lou Perlman, which I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. I was like, eh, God bless and rest in peace. I don't.
0: Go well, to hell, I, mean, Lou he's saying, I mean, the I hope he found some peace isn't exactly like a. a, a, a that's not something to say about someone you you'd like have a super I also, high opinion of
1: i also can't judge them i didn't go through the trauma and yeah. i didn't grow an attachment to my abuser and then just have it all crumble and then he dies you yeah. know like i that's
0: i don't know what situation. that has to
1: be a really weird situation yeah like if you yeah so i that's yeah that would be hard Kirkpatrick mm-hmm. wrote on twitter a day after pearlman's death mixed emotions right now but r.i.p lou Perlman. Uh, Bass said, I was so confused on exactly how to feel. I'm like, how could you die right now when we don't have this closure? Yeah. (laughs) So, what I like about this story is it wraps up in a nice, neat little bow because... Because Sorry, I'm putting my papers down. Uh, i Yeah, I yeah, am going off the cuff. Because, you know, NSYNC's... I did not know this, and I love it. I love it. You know NSYNC's, like, best-selling album? Like, right after they dropped Lou Pearlman, they made No Strings Attached? The album that everyone knows where they're, like, the puppets? The, like... Puppets? Okay. You know what I'm talking about? The Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. The album with Bye Bye Bye. Bye, 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 bye. You know that one? Yep. That song was written about... Lou Pearlman, And No Strings Attached was inspired by the shitty Lou Pearlman. They wrote it because of him. Bye 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 was a song about saying see ya to Lou Pearlman. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was about a girl. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. But if you listen to the lyrics, I'm like, oh, yeah. That adds up. Now that you know the story, go listen to Bye 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 and the, some other songs on the No Strings Attached album. Mm-hmm. And you'll realize it was and then that album like sold the best everyone knows that album that has like the best songs on it you know that album cover they're all mm-hmm. like on the cover like the little puppets with the strings you know and they're right. all like,
0: <laughs> like <Okay>. doing this <laughs> yeah thing, you know and
1: then uh yeah and then they all yeah so bye 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 was about saying goodbye to lou perlman isn't that cool I like that, and i I thought I thought it was really cool. I'm like, their like best selling song and best selling album was when they got out of their abusive relationship with Lou Pearlman. Interesting. I thought that was nice. I was like, oh, that's good. Good for them. Good. Good for them. Yeah. And then a lot of them. I mean, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC ended up real famous. So I feel really bad for them, but like, I'm happy that they're successful now.
0: Yeah. Good for them.
1: Yeah. Good for them. So that's my story. Okay, cool. Sorry, that was really long, but I really liked it. Right. it. Did you like the story? Yeah, I did. Okay, tell me you're yours now. You're asking me, right? Okay. Yeah.
0: So I'm yeah, going to talk asking. about, um, uh, well, so um, when, when you're looking for, when you're, when you're not sure what to do for a, a topic on your podcast this week, you will uh, sometimes just type uh, random phrases into Google and see what comes up. Okay, um, I've never done that. And so when when you do a Google search for the term uh, haunted submarine.
1: This is what you do to find topics.
0: Sometimes, yeah.
1: I've never done this. This is a good idea. I
0: looked up just like Idaho ghosts or something once and hmm. found a topic. It wasn't a great one, but it was, hmm. some, it was content. Today I
1: did look up um, church scams and I was going to talk about, uh, I don't know, somebody who scammed a bunch of churches because I thought that would be really funny. <laughs> What?
0: (laughs) Apparently, the Mormons
1: get scammed a lot.
0: (laughs) They seem easy to
1: scam. Yeah, they get scammed a lot. Anyway, (laughs) continue. So,
0: anyway, when you do a Google search for the term haunted submarine, the first result you get. Haunted
1: submarine. Haunted submarine. There's a lot of singing in this episode today by me. (laughs) Yeah. You are blessed with my beautiful voice.
0: Uh, so the first result you get is a Wikipedia page yes. for the vessel UB-65. Oh, that's
1: when you know you got it, baby. When a Wikipedia article pops up first, you know it's a story. <laughs> you know it's a good one.
0: Yeah. 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 There's a whole I, you know Wikipedia. it's like a good Wikipedia article One has a section labeled haunting allegations. Oh, yeah,
1: you do. Uh
0: But UB-65 was a German U-boat that served during the First World War. Uh, commissioned August eighteenth, nineteen seventeen, it uh, as part of the fifth and second flotillas. It completed six patrols out of the ports of occupied Belgium. It sunk six merchant ships and one warship, and damaged a further six ships before it, it met its faced face before it met it before it met, met its, its fate. fate off the coast of Cornwall sometime after the fourteenth of July, nineteen eighteen. All 37 members of the crew sank with her. None survived.
1: Uh-oh. That's sad.
0: But I'm not talking about a haunted submarine wreck. I'm talking about a haunted submarine.
1: Yeah, I want to know where the haunted so, submarine. So
0: while it was afloat, UB-65 was plagued by misfortune that was either caused by or the cause of at least one haunting. Mm. So uh, things started out bad for old UB um, mm-hmm. and it only got worse. Uh, So during construction, five workers were killed before she even made it into the water. Uh, one One was killed when a heavy steel girder slipped from a crane and another was also injured in that accident and died days later in the hospital um poisonous diesel fumes in the engine room claimed three more lives Mm. walking in construction um and then while she was out on her first trial run at sea a sailor was sent out to inspect the hatches um and he was swept overboard and never seen again
1: so this is just not good news and i don't think they should have ever put this out there
0: a submarine is just asking for trouble yeah in any in any case you're right we people were not meant to go that deep no boats go on the water they don't go under it yeah. and i'm gonna that's 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 the t that's the t uh bu- 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 bu. some sources though claim that rather than being swept overboard that sailor leapt seemingly for no good reason
1: <sighs> oh no
0: uh her first test dive was also disastrous uh, she descended to a depth of 30 feet, at which point she was supposed to level off, but a ballast tank ruptured, and instead she plummeted to the seafloor, where she was stuck for 12 hours.
1: Why would they ever take this thing out? This sounds horrible. A,
0: you're, you're in a war. You gotta, have, you gotta have submarines.
1: Shitty equipment?
0: Well, you know, you're you're not going to sink all these resources into a submarine that doesn't work well and then just scrap it. You're going to try to fix it. You're going to try to make it work.
1: Okay.
0: Um, So she was stuck at the bottom of the ocean for 12 hours. Uh, During this time, water began leaking in and eventually made it to the batteries. By the Mm. time they finally managed to surface, the entire crew was violently ill from the toxic fumes. (gasps) Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: um, So much so that two more men died in the hospital. According to some, (gasps) around this time is when the crew began to believe the sub to be cursed.
1: Because it is. In
0: 1917, when readying for her first patrol, torpedoes were being loaded when a warhead exploded, uh, killing the second officer and eight other seamen, Mm -hmm. and injuring nine others.
1: This is not good.
0: I would not get on this boat.
1: No, I wouldn't either.
0: After this is when the ghost sightings started.
1: There's ghost sightings on the submarine? Oh, yeah. (gasps) You know, I picture submarines like those tiny little round yellow <laughs> machines that only like one person can fit in.
0: Yeah, this is a big submarine with okay. a crew of like uh, 34 people, 37. Okay. It's a big submarine, yeah. a big long one.
1: Yeah, now I'm picturing it mm, correctly. big long
0: gray one. Mm-hmm. Um, so as she was under tow back to dry dock for repair... A hysterical sailor reported that he had seen the ghost of the second officer, the one who had been killed in the torpedo explosion. Oh, no. His arms folded, standing on the prow. Um, another time, once went on patrol in the English Channel, before she dove beneath the waves, the starboard lookout in the conning tower, which is the, the conning tower, is the big... So you know how a submarine is like a big, long, like, tube, you know? Like, it's... A, Big long oh thing. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. the conning tower is the big like thing that comes up in the middle no, of that comes up the in big the middle. Knob. yeah the knob yeah mm-hmm. i didn't know that i had to look up what a conning tower was yeah i mean
1: i didn't know that but i i know what i can picture it yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh he saw a figure standing on the deck below him but all the hatches were battened down oh, no. the figure slowly turned around and the lookout recognized him as the boat's former second officer Crazy. His terrified shouts brought others to the conning tower where they too witnessed the apparition. My gosh. One night, the duty officer was found sobbing on the bridge, saying that he had seen the ghostly figure of the second officer standing, arms folded, on the prow.
1: This is wild.
0: Yeah. A torpedo man by the name of Eberhard went berserk one night, ranting about being pursued by a ghost. He was given a shot of morphine, but still eventually made his way above deck, where he promptly jumped overboard and was never seen again.
1: Gosh.
0: <laughs> there were more deaths, uh, maybe some of them more attributable to warfare than the curse. Uh, one mm-hmm. was uh, Herr Lohmann, uh, the UB 65's coxswain. Uh, I don't know what that is, Um, but uh, the submarine came under attack from depth charges, and he was thrown to the deck, cracking three ribs. He died from internal injuries a week later. That's a more normal submarine death. Yeah, that is more normal. Um. In February of 1918, uh, Ubi uh, returned from patrolling the Dover Straits and docked in Bruges, Belgium, uh, just as a British bombing raid began. The ship's captain, Oberlieutenant Carl uh, Honig, uh, was decapitated by a piece of shrapnel as he stepped down the gangplank, oh um, and his body was propelled back onto the deck. <laughs> he was, wow. His corpse stayed there for some time under a canvas shroud. Um and that night, an officer and eight crewmen said they saw the specter of the late second officer standing over Honig's body.
1: Man, this is haunted. mm mm-hmm. Haunted as Haunted as,
0: haunted as hell. When haunted the boat was heck. in port for repairs, a seaman—a seaman—I don't know why I made it plural there—rushed uh, into the wardroom to report that he had seen the ghost of the second officer come aboard. Those who went to investigate found another panicked seaman— who said he had seen the second officer float up the gangplank toward the bow <laughs> where he stood for several seconds before vanishing.
1: Oh no. They got Do you think these guys just aren't going crazy because they're in the submarine? Going
0: submarine craziness? Yeah. Could be. Could very well be. Apparently, these stories of hauntings got so preval- prevalent that the sub was taken out of commission for some time, <laughs> yes. and the German Navy sent a commodore to investigate and put a stop to their stories. But he became convinced that the ship was haunted as well and brought in Reverend Franz Weber, a German naval Lutheran minister, to perform an exorcism of the U boat.
1: My gosh. (laughs) Um, it was haunted then. I believe it.
0: Yeah, TBH. Yeah. By by midsummer of 1918, the war was going badly and you know Germany couldn't afford to keep a perfectly good submarine in port just because yeah. it was haunted and cursed and kept killing people and making them go insane. <laughs> oh so God. U-B65 was sent back out on patrol. Oh,
1: no, it was bad. That was a bad idea.
0: So, in July of 1918, off the coast of Ireland, The American submarine L-2 spotted UB-65 seemingly abandoned and adrift.
1: Oh no, did they all die? As
0: L-2 turned to line up a torpedo shot at the enemy ship, uh, they saw standing on the deck the ghostly apparition of a man standing with his arms crossed. Oh my gosh. Suddenly and seemingly without cause, the U-boat exploded before their eyes and sank.
1: No. Are you serious?
0: The American sub never fired a shot.
1: This is wild yeah
0: um so anyway what <laughs> the, the thing about ub65 is yeah what was that the thing there there's so there's no recorded evidence that any of these hauntings were ever that anyone actually ever reported these hauntings, yeah why would they or that anyone on the ship ever necessarily believed it to be haunted um, records only show UB-65 as ever having had one captain, uh, Cap Lieutenant, uh, Martin Schell, and make no mention of the Captain Honig, who was decapitated. Um, Well, yeah, they
1: want to keep that on the DL.
0: There's no record of an exorcism taking place. Yeah, or, they
1: don't want to record that.
0: Or of a Naval Reverend Franz Weber having anything to do with the ship. Yeah, they not Or of any of the other names I mentioned being related to it. Yeah, um,
1: they wiped it out, Harry.
0: I mean... Pretty much the accidents that happened, like those, are like pretty much legit. Like in the, like you know the the torpedo exploding early on, and killing a bunch of people, and the like deaths in the manufacture of it. But none of the like haunting things were ever like okay. Why would but you anyway, record? okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So. Uh, but, but embellishments have occurred over the years, but all of the haunting stories about UB sixty-five can be traced back to one man, uh, no. Hector Hector Charles Bywater, who made mention of them in his book *Their Secret Purposes*, published in nineteen thirty-two. Oh no. So uh, Bywater is a really interesting guy. Okay, so why? He, he was born in London in 1884, and his family emigrated to the U.S. in 1901. At the age of 19, he started writing naval articles for the New York Herald mm-hmm. newspaper, um, and then the paper eventually sent him back to London as a foreign correspondent for them. And then uh, at the outset of the World War I, um, he became a, a spy for the British Hmm. He was he was a, apparently naturally gifted with languages and so he could pass as a native German speaker. Dang. Yeah. Um, in 1915, he was sent back to America to investigate suspicious activity at New York's docks and uncovered an attempted German bombing plot. Um, in addition to these activities, he was he was like a brilliant journalist, and in the 1920s, published two books: Sea Power in the Pacific, a study of the American-Japanese naval problem, and The Great Pacific War. Um, in both of those, he predicted with remarkable accuracy um, the actions of the U.S. and Japan in the Pacific theater during World War II. Like people, he's he's erroneously credited with predicting the Pearl Harbor bombing. He didn't he predicted Japan to like do a surprise attack on the Philippines rather than Hawaii but like all the other like made like strategies basically that the US and Japan used during World War II he like predicted like well,
1: yeah, shot for shot they for read shot. it they
0: read <laughs> probably it. <laughs> it was like a best selling book at <laughs>
1: that's the t- crazy
0: yeah but so he was he was an extremely talented and respected journalist who like wrote straightforward like fact based yeah, so naval this. reporting so why would he make up these weird ghost stories? I
1: I don't think he did, Harry.
0: Um, he even like fabricated sources. Apparently, he invented a. Um, he bases a lot of it off a a pamphlet by a famed German psychologist, Professor Doctor Hecht, who there's no record That's of exi- of existing or publishing a pamphlet about any of this stuff. Hmm. So.
1: So why did he write a bunch of non-factual stuff?
0: I don't know. I think I it's real. I don't know why. I There's, think it's real. So there there, there are two op- explanations. One is that it's real.
1: I think it's real. And the
0: other possibility, the only other explanation I saw of like what this was about is that it was an attempt at like uh, like disinformation in order to like hurt the enemy's morale like in the lead up to world war one or something mm. or but it was i mean 1932 was like pretty i was like before the war started in world war Two. it was it was well after world war one I. I don't understand it at all um yeah, there is either. a uh, a little bit of a, a an epilogue I would like to share. Um, he okay. he died in uh, 1940 in London mm-hmm. um, before before uh, the U.S. and Japan uh, he, before he got to see his predictions come true. Oh,
1: the, really? That's crazy. Yeah, because
0: mm-hmm. uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor yeah, was yeah, 1941. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but uh, I'm reading from a uh, what? Where is this? Why did I lose it? No, where'd it go? Where? No. Oh no! You I lost the lost thing I was everyone? gonna read. Okay. No, come back.
1: <laughs> he really doesn't know where this is at. I thought
0: this—I I thought it was at the bottom of this article, but it is longer than I thought. I guess.
1: Oh no! Wait, can you really not find it? Do you know? There where it is. Okay. With? Okay. Good. We found it, everyone. No worries. Anyway.
0: On July 10th, 1968, almost 50 years to the day, give or take three days, depending on which report of UB-65's death is accurate, a man from Baltimore called Sven Morgans Larsen and his wife June were enjoying a cruise on their yacht, Gray Seal, off the Irish coast close to Cape Clear. In the late afternoon, they were approaching Fastnet Rock, um, where it was believed that the uh, you. you ub 65 sank mm. um at six thirty p.m they heard a muffled explosion the sea a few hundred feet from them churned and up popped a submarine's conning tower mm. as the rest yeah. of the craft emerged from the foam they saw the number 65 on her side and a stationary and a stationary figure standing on her prow the whole apparition submarine figure everything then dissolved and was gone Apparently Morgan's Larson knew nothing of the legend until he'd returned to Baltimore where he looked up the story in the archives at John Hopkins University.
1: Huh. What? Now
0: that's where they believed the UB 65 sank off the coast of Ireland. It, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, that it actually sank uh, the actual wreck of it is off the coast of Cornwall, um, Mm. closer to England. Um, or very close to England. Hmm. So it's, so uh, you know, there, you you can make of that what you will. Okay. But it's uh, still still interesting that, uh, uh, I don't know, something happened.
1: Yeah. Huh. That was cool.
0: So that's a UB-65.
1: Neat. Neato. Arr. I liked it. Good. Yeah, I thought it was good. I like haunted stuff. I know you do. I yeah. thought you'd like it. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for your phone right yeah, now so you know what to phone. say at the end?
0: Damn, I don't even know where it is.
1: Yeah, where is it? Probably under all the stuff on the bed.
0: Yeah, probably. It's probably
1: all the stuff. Okay, well, that's all I have.
0: Yeah. Me, me too.
1: We don't usually end the podcast with anything anyway. Any yeah, talk. No. We usually just end it. Yep. Okay. Well.
0: Uh, I've been Harry.
1: I'm still Carly.
0: And this has been...
1: Known unknowns.
0: Uh... <laughs> Here's looking at you kid
1: cuz it's weird out there bye,
0: bye. Oh, here's looking at you new kid on the new kids on the block
1: <gasps> cuz it's weird out there bye, bye. bye.